that Christ will be honored in our bodies. Whether by life, whether by the way we live our life, or even by the way we die. By the way we suffer. Paul has already talked about suffering in this book, and he will come back to that. But, Megaluno, okay, what do you, how do you make Christ big? And of course, that's a figure of speech. You're not literally making him bigger as a magnifying glass wouldn't make words on a page bigger, but you are living your life in a way that reveals him to the world. Are you doing that? Let's continue reading. So Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ. For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. What he means by that is when he lives his life, it is magnifying Christ. It is making much of Jesus. And whether he lives, he's going to glorify Christ, or if he dies, then that's going to be his gain. And so I want to give you this image of a scale, okay? You remember the old-timey scales, right? There's probably an app for that too now. But on a scale... Which side goes down? The lighter side or the heavier side? The heavier side. Okay, good. That's, about, that's as much math as I'm going to give you, okay? So don't leave. And I want you to see this image of a scale in these verses because that's what Paul is going to use here. Okay, so it's in the middle. To live is Christ, so that's good. To die is gain. That's good, right? And this is specifically speaking... To Paul's current circumstance. This is not all circumstances everywhere. But we can learn from this. To live for Paul is Christ. And to die is gain. Now he's going to expound on that a little bit. Verse 22. If I am to live in the flesh. That means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose. I cannot tell. If I am to live in the flesh. That means fruitful labor for me. He's saying. If I am to live in the flesh. So living is heavier here. If I'm to live in the flesh, then that's fruitful labor. He's going to live for Christ. People are going to come to know Christ. He is going to do great works for Christ as he's living. But yet he has this honest, but I don't know if I had the option to choose, right? He doesn't have an option. But if he had the option to choose, he doesn't even know which one he would choose. Would he choose living and serving others and, you know, advancing the gospel? Or... Would he choose being with Christ? If it was only about him, we know what he would choose. He would choose being with Christ. Because isn't that what, as, a Christ, as Christians, isn't that what we long for? That day when there is no more sickness, no more suffering, no more tears. When not only are the bad stuff that, is the bad stuff that we experience, not only is that taken away, but we are given Christ. We will be in his presence. We will be in heaven. We will get to, to dwell with him in that way. Of course, if it was only about Paul, then there would be no debate. Being with Christ would be what takes the cake. But he's trying to figure out. He's balancing this out. Because on the other hand, to live, there's fruitful labor. There's other people involved. And if we continue... In verse 23, he says, I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, 
for that is far better. But, verse 24, to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. You see, we're not supposed to take it, just take our own actions and our own rewards and into account when we're living our lives. We are supposed to question what's best for the people around us also. We are called to be concerned about each other. Inside the church, think about all the words that we've seen in, in Philippians. We've seen how he thanks God for Paul, thanks God for the Philippians. Every time he remembers them, every time he prays for them, he's thanking God for them. And we've seen how much he loves them. We saw earlier in this that he is strengthened because he knows that they are praying for him. We saw that, I believe it was verse 19. Yeah. For I know that through your prayers and through the help of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, that he is strengthened. He's going to be able to persevere. And so we, we are to be concerned with other people. But then we're to be concerned with people who are not even inside of our church. We're to be concerned when we see the hurt and the pain and the suffering that takes place in the world. We're to have compassion. We're to have love. And we're supposed to reach out and we're supposed to take these things into account when we're making our decisions of how to live our life. And so my question to you is, do you do that? Do you take other people's problems and struggles into account when you're living your life? Now, for time's sake, we have to keep on moving. Verse 25. Convinced of this, convinced that it would be better on their account, the Philippians' account, and other people's account, that he would remain. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your prayers and joy in the faith. So that, verse 26, in me you may have ample cause to glorify or to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. He's saying he's convinced that he's even going to be able to get out of prison. He's convinced that he's going to be able uh, to visit them again. And we don't know for sure if he visited them again, but we do know that he was uh, let out. Now, he ultimately um, had to go back, but he was let out. And we get more letters from the Bible, um, the pastoral letters. And so, um, verse 27, he continues, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Only... Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, in the original language, there is this um, figurative speech here. And it is there are words used, and we can understand this in America, okay, uh, in a different way, but still we can understand it. When Rome would conquer a community or just adopt a community as their empire expanded and people join uh, with the Romans then they became Roman citizens. And they had the privileges of Roman citizens, uh, but they also had the to follow the laws and the rules of being a Roman citizen. So in America, we can think today, and if someone were to come to our country and um, become a, a citizen, then they would have all the privileges that someone born here would have, but they would also have to follow the rules of the land, right? And so... Here, what Paul is saying is, only let your manner of life be worthy. In the Greek, it's really saying, only behave as citizens of the gospel of Christ. So, if you're a Christian in here, if you have become a Christian, 
If you've been adopted in to the family of God, if you have been saved, then you are to live your life in a certain way. Just as you would be expected in Rome to live as a, as a certain, in a certain way as a citizen, and just in the, as in the United States, if you become a citizen, then, then you would be expected to live in a certain way, follow certain rules. Um, then when we become Christians, let us live our lives in a way that is expected of people who follow Jesus, of people who claim Jesus. Let us live our lives in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And so my question to you as we begin to close is this. Do you live your life in a way, in a manner that honors Jesus? Do you live for the gospel of Christ? Is that what you are about? Is that what you are magnifying? Because that's what Paul is telling us that we should be magnifying. And so, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. He's Now, he transitions here because he's been talking about himself and how he relates to them, but now he's going to talk about how they should relate to each other. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, where whether he's present or absent, Strive together, work together, be the church together. And that's our whole sermon series here as we go through Philippians is together. We want to be the church together. And so as we're considering how to be the church together, we look at Jesus' example, we look at Paul's example, and we live our life according to what Scripture says. We are citizens of someplace else, right? We are citizens of heaven, and we are to live as such. We don't want to be known I'm going to say something. I hope it's not too offensive, but I know so many atheists working on a college campus. You just get to know so many atheists, whether it's professors or students or whatever. And I know so many atheists who um, are kind people, nice people, friends. I consider them friends, um, but they do not want to become a Christian. And for a lot of them, the reason they don't want to become a Christian is because they know Christians. How sad is that? Instead of us living for the gospel and magnifying Jesus, we have been magnifying other things. Not just this church, the church as a whole in America. We have been magnifying selfishness, where we can uh, take care of our own needs and we can demand our own ways. This is the way things are going to be done and they're going to be done my way and I'm demanding this. We've become known as people who do that. We have become known as people who will not protect our children. Now, this isn't as prevalent in the Southern Baptist Church, but, you know, we're known as as a place where churches are known as places that aren't safe anymore. We've got to change that. We need to be known as little Jesuses, as followers of Jesus. We, we, you know, when, when people were originally called Christians... It was an insult. They were calling them little Christs. Uh, look at him. Because they were insulting them and saying that they were like Jesus. And they, you know, they would be killed and all that stuff also. But it was an insult. <clears throat> but the church, it wasn't an insult to the church, was it? They embraced it. And now we embrace the word Christians. We all call ourselves Christians. You don't even have to be a Christian and you call yourself a Christian in America a lot of times. And yet, 
what we have magnified and what that word means now, it doesn't mean to people who hear it, little Jesuses. It means a lot of negative things. We can change that. Christ can change that through us. Let us live our lives in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And if we're living our lives in that way, then things are going to change. Verse 28. So side by side, we're striving together side by side in the faith of the gospel. And not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation. And that from God. What Paul is saying is, is if I continue to be like Christ, even in my imprisonment, even when I'm experiencing suffering, experiencing suffering, then that is going to let people know that there's something real about my faith, that there's something real about this gospel. Verse 29, for it has been granted to you. It has been granted to you. This is a gift. It has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Now, we'll talk about this more when we get to chapter 3. But suffering for Jesus is a gift. It doesn't always feel like a gift. It can be hard, and we should mourn with those who are suffering. Mourn with those who mourn. But suffering can be a gift to us. It can be a way that Christ uses to grow us into people who are more like him. It can be a way that the very things that we've been praying for our friends and our families to come to know Jesus or for some of us in our own lives, for those of us who are not Christians, maybe God is allowing this suffering in our life as a gift so that it leads us to a different way of thinking. So that we're more dependent on him. And when we suffer as Christians, and people are going to watch. They're going to watch and they're going to see how we respond, no matter how we respond. And so when suffering comes, then we can be examples of Christ. We can suffer with grace and, and with dignity and with uh, trust in him even in the midst of hurt and pain and wanting it all to go away we can still honor christ in our suffering and it is granted to us as a gift that we could suffer for him verse 30 engaged in the same conflict that you saw i had and now hear that i still have paul's saying i'm not just telling you to suffer i'm in the middle of it i'm suffering i'm here with you you know there's a lot of us that we're really good at telling other people how to handle their issues but we don't handle our own. It's easy for us as, as a pastor, a preacher, as Sunday school teachers, as others. It's easy for us to tell people how they need to live for Jesus. But to actually live that way is another story. And so we do it together, hand in hand, striving side by side. If you know people who are suffering, get right beside them. Pray for them. Give them strength. Pray that God will give them strength even more importantly. But we do it together. So where are you this morning? For some of you, maybe you don't even have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've never become a follower of Jesus. And you know that this morning, you need to devote everything to him, your whole life to him. Whether things are going well or whether things are going bad, he's your Lord and you're going to follow him. And you might not know what all that means. You might not know what all that entails. You don't have to know all that. All you have to know is that Christ is speaking to your heart. He is calling you to, into a relationship with him. And you're ready to respond. You're ready to follow him no matter the cost. And you're ready to commit to him even if it means suffering. If that's you this morning, if you're ready for that, then come to know Christ this morning. Become a follower of Jesus this morning. 
I will be right down here in just a moment during our invitation. And if you want me to pray with you, if you want to talk to me, feel free to come forward. Or maybe you're in here and you're a Christian, but you've been magnifying something other than Jesus. Maybe you need to get on your knees this morning and pray that God would forgive you and that he would enable you to magnify him rather than those other things. Maybe you're in here this morning and you're one of these people that I'm preaching about. You are sold out for Christ and you are like Paul. You are magnifying Christ even in the midst of suffering. But maybe you need to be praying for other people. Maybe you need to be coming alongside and the maturity that you have helping other people, raise other people up to that level. Whatever the case, I'm going to encourage you and challenge you to respond to God in whatever way he is, is, is convicting you this morning. Let us pray, and then we'll have our invitation. Lord, we love you. And God, I just pray that you would bless us this morning. God, help us to follow you in whatever way you are calling. Lord, help me to magnify you. Lord, not just what a stereotypical pastor might be. I don't want that to be my image. I want you to be my image. I want to be like you. And Lord, I pray that for all of us in this room. Lord, help us to love as you loved. Lord, you gave us two laws. And if we follow these laws, we can live in a manner worthy of your gospel, Lord, to love you with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength and to love our neighbors ourselves. Lord, help us to love you and help us to love each other and help us to love those outside of our group, Lord. I just pray that you would uh, give people courage to respond to you in whatever way is necessary, whatever way you are calling and convicting this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.